Guess who fucking just bought auto tune? That's right. Can you guess who bought auto tune? Is it me? What's up, everyone? How are we doing? I'm still figuring out how to talk like this and make it sound interesting. Because if I just talk normally, it's not really tuning my voice. Let me mess with some of the settings. Let me see if I mess with some of the settings. And if I mess with some of the settings... Oh, got a little bit going on. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, how are you guys? How's everybody doing out there? <laughs> Welcome to the motherfucking podcast! <laughs> Am I the first person to fuck around with autotune? No. Not even close. It's too far as fuck. You got damn right. We got a great motherfucking episode today with a motherfucking McCall. McCall. <laughs> oh boy, this is too fun. Oh, this is, I gotta mess around with this some more. But there's no auto tune on the episode. But McCall is an incredible songwriter, somebody that I met on a songwriting retreat actually, um, organized by some friends. We went to college together briefly. Or I guess not briefly. I don't know. We went to college together for a time. She is so smart and cool and such a fucking great artist. It was really an awesome time. She um, was calling from Minnesota in a basement of some kind. She's making a new project. We talk about it. We talk about... What else do we talk about? We talk about... Georgia, where she's from. We talk about this one painter she's obsessed with. And we talk about creativity and songwriting and emotions and stuff. What a surprise for the podcast. Listen, guys, I gotta go. Now I'm just normal singing with the auto tune on. It's still pretty fun. <laughs> okay. Here's, a, here's an episode of Happy Sad Talk Thing. Please listen to McCall's music. That girl McCall on all the social media. McCall is her artist name on self-loathing. Is her latest release. Streaming It's a fucking greatest time. I highly 
blended. Okay, here's the show. Goodbye, I love you. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. I don't know anything. I'm just happy and sad and stuff. Thanks for doing my show. Thank you for having me. How you doing? How's your day going? So far, so good. I went to a antique store earlier. Nice. I found some volumes of a book from 1926. That's all like spiritual stuff, and it's all like the same stuff that's being talked about now, but written in the 20s. So I was wondering. whoa. Who yeah. wrote it, and what um, about? I'm not sure the author. I can't remember right now, but the book is called The Secret of the Ages. Whoa. It's like an eight volume thing. I got three of the volumes, but and the titles rules. are like The Man Thinketh. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking sick. So it's like spiritual yeah. philosophy from the twenties? I guess so. We'll find out. Damn, that fucking crushes. I'm excited about my purchase. We talked about this briefly before uh we started recording, but you are in Minnesota. Yes, I am. So sick. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? What brings? You, <laughs> what brought you to Minnesota? Um, well, I came. Bobby lives here. Who produced yeah. on Self Loathing? Hell yeah! Just spoke about, and we had never met uh, until like a month before the EP was coming out. Really? Um, yeah. So we went up to this cabin. I flew out here. We went up to his family's cabin in northern Minnesota, mm. and started working on the next project. Yeah, um, I remember you yeah. telling me about it before it happened. Yeah, and that was so fun. I was really blown away by how much I really liked the city, like Minneapolis and St. Paul. Yeah. Um, and going from working separately with Bobby, or virtually rather, right, uh, to being in the same room just brought out a whole new experience for both of us. Right. And I was already planning on moving back to Atlanta at the time right? Um, because my mom was going through some health issues. So I figured, mm. you know, if everything's closed down in L.A. I might as well be at home for a little bit. Yeah. But um, those health issues turned out to be not as detrimental as we expected them to be, which was very That's nice. That's great to hear. Is she doing all right right now? Yeah, she's doing really good right now. Nice. Um, I'm actually going back again tomorrow to to see them so i'm excited word but anyway because i was already uprooting my la life and yeah kind of saying goodbye to that it was really Damn. easy to decide to move here because it's like you know the difference between working with my favorite person ever to work with or living at home it was kind of like an easy yeah <laughs> how did y'all start working together so you met virtually and started collaborating that was like yeah. the dawn of your relationship so we met technically five years ago at Berkeley writing camp. Hell yeah. Um, I don't think we actually met in person there, but it was one of those things where everyone from the Facebook group like followed each other on Instagram and stuff. Nice. And, um, so I had known of his band, his old band Love Sequence and his own work for a while. And oh, nice. he obviously knew of me. Yeah. And then I just posted on my story one day 
uh, like, hey, we're going to do a remix package for this single called Right that had just come out. Yeah. If you want those stems, I'll send them to literally whoever wants them. Hell yeah. So Bobby reached out. I didn't really even know he was a producer. I thought he was just the front man in this band, just the front man. Like, that's not a big job. But I didn't realize he was a producer and he sent back this remix that was like I it's a very sassy not emotional song but but he found everything about that song that was emotional for me and mm. really highlighted it whoa and yeah I remember showing it to our our good friend Jameson Bacon who oh. we love. famous and sweetie just, and great producer just, oh an incredible very talented but I was showing it to him and I remember sitting there listening to it on his speakers like this is the person that's going to do the rest of my music. That's yeah! what I've decided. <laughs> that's fucking yeah. sick. It was so cool. So then, yeah, we worked virtually from January to August. And I moved here in the beginning of October. So. Damn. How has all of that uprooting been in right now? Um, It's definitely been interesting. Uh, I find myself getting sad sometimes. Yeah. But I think it's just because, like, my dad has always lived in California. My mom has always lived in Georgia. So I'm right. used to those two places. Right. This is the first time that I'm somewhere that's not those two places. Mm. Um, staying for an extended period of time. Right. And it's, it's like snowing here. It's cold. Yeah. Oh. You ever I, live in can snow? I curse? Yeah. Never. Never, never. You get one. You can say fuck once. Oh, so. I already spent it. <laughs> Just kidding, it's the internet. We can do whatever we want. Sick. Um, so, Did yeah, I've never seen snow before. Whoa! Just, I see, There was like two inches in Georgia one time. Word. And that was pretty cool. Yeah? yeah I saw it in Big Bear. But like having to shovel my driveway. That's Damn. <laughs> that's so wild. I feel like so many people this year in pandemic times are experiencing so much monotony and so much of the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're having a lot of new experiences because you moved. Yeah, I feel really lucky to be in a position where I can kind of, especially with everything being virtual, it doesn't really matter where I am right now. I right. can still keep up the relationships I have in California and the people I'm working with in other parts of the country mm. just as easily. So I'm lucky that I can afford to move, have the ability to move and it's been really fun. I feel really lucky to not just be sitting in my room. Yeah. <laughs> what are your days like there? Are they your days? Are your days the same, or are they? What What are your days like? <laughs> they're They're pretty much the same. Bobby and I are on a pretty good schedule. Um, nice. We have been working almost every single day without fail. I come over here around like two or three p.m. and then. I'll either crash here or go back to my place. And mm. I try I try to wake up early, but yeah. you never know what's going to happen in the mornings. But my mornings are more like based around other projects I'm doing. So I'll do mm. songwriting for other artists or songwriting for the other bands that I'm a part of and do all the business admin stuff of, of it. And then come over here and we work until we can't work anymore. Damn! That fucking ounce. A luscious existence. I'm very grateful for it. Also very inspiring uh, in terms of all the shit you got going on and like the commitments. Very, very cool. Oh, 
Thank you. Yeah! I love <laughs> your EP so much on self-loathing. Thank you, Martin. It's fucking incredible. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, like, your songs are great. And this one feels very special to me. Not that your other music doesn't, but mm-hmm. it's just so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lovely morning with the handmade journal companion piece that you made, that you handmade. Wait, you got it? I fucking got it, yeah. Yes, oh my gosh. Oh, so sick. Yay. I got it, and yeah, and it said, it, like, your return address was in L.A., Mm-hmm. But then there was like a stamp from Minnesota, and I was like, oh, where McCall? <laughs> I know. Basically, I sent them all out last month at the beginning yeah. of October. And then they all got, I had put a different return address on like most of them because I yeah. am so afraid of my like sick privacy. So, like, for sure, every one of them was going to a different address that I had like vaguely lived at at one point. Right. Um, so. When they didn't show up in time, I was like, oh, my God, I'm never getting any of these back. I have to redo all this. <laughs> um, but luckily, U- USPS very considerate and took all of them, put them in one box and shipped them back. Oh, so they so, did have to get returned at a certain point. They did, yeah. I, it was something with, like, I put the wrong category on the packaging. Like, oh. very simple. Are we talking uh, media mail? We're talking... No, not media mail. Okay. I don't know. I don't even know what I did. The line was so long, so I did the self-help kiosk, and then I made a mistake somewhere along the line. But yay, I'm so fucking excited that you have them. I've been waiting forever to get them It's so beautiful. There's so much just like beauty and wisdom in the journal alone. And it was so, it just felt so special to like get insights behind the songs, behind like where your head was at and I think most of all what I find so dope about it is that I feel like something I've wrestled with a lot is like what makes a, something personal artist like have artistic value to it mm-hmm. and like there's plenty of artistic shit that isn't autobiographical or based out of some personal trauma that is compelling and then there's so much that is. And there's also so much that is based out of that stuff that is not compelling, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so fascinating trying to figure out what is and what isn't and trying to find, like, moments of vulnerability but also leaving space for other people and hopefully offering something as well. And I feel like you have just absolutely nailed that on, on self-loathing. And so Thank it's just so very much. inspiring. And I'm curious how that quest has been in your life of being personal in songs. Um, that's a big question. Let me think for a moment. I think yeah. like everything I've, I've always tried to write on self-loathing was kind of a, a detour, not a detour, like a major growing experience for me with my songwriting. Mm. Because the way I was raised, I the people that you're told to idolize as a young girl are like, you know, Taylor Swift and all those types of singer-songwriter girls. Mm. Um, so because the music I listened to was mostly based on like narrating a relationship or narrating an event, that yeah. was kind of my my go-to was to like, how accurately can I depict this event that happened? 
Mm. Like how minuscule can I get with it? And right. um, I still write that way. I think it's a really, it, co- it comes with ease when I'm writing to do that version of writing. Mm. But with on self-loathing, I kind of got to this point of self-loathing. And mm. I realized that there was nothing that I could, like everything that I was mad at everyone else about in my life were really things that I just really hated about myself. You know, the whole shadow work thing. Shadow work? Um, yeah. What does that mean? So shadow work is a union, Carl Jung, Carl Jung, Jungian. Um, Word. A philosophy that he developed, I believe. And it's about you have like your shadow self, which is everything that you think you hate in everyone else. Mm. So when you find yourself judging someone else or reacting in a way that you are confused, like, why did I react that way? That's your shadow coming forward. Mm. Um, wow. So I figured I would just dive headfirst into the shadow work and figure out what exactly it was that was causing me to feel this way and act this way. Mm. Um, and that was definitely yeah. a much more... Both ways are very rewarding to me. It's all extremely cathartic. Right. But I think with this project, it was... I looked at it very scientifically. I had the title, A Study on Self-Loathing, before I'd written the songs. Mm. So so I wanted to go in as scientifically and as analytically as I can. Right. And, and understand that I am greater than the person that I am. Like, I can be an observer to my own actions mm. and, like, document the way that I'm feeling without actually getting like hurt by these things mm. hell yeah that fucking <laughs> owns Thanks. and it starts in a graveyard in texas yep it was like the night before my i had my manager josh and i work remotely as well he's based in austin texas mm. so i had gone to meet him in person for like the second time yeah and I was playing a bar show, just like a really quick, small thing that we could book just to do something while I was there besides hang. And it went so bad. I was just like humiliated. There's nothing worse than singing to people who didn't ask for a concert. Who uh, came for dinner. Struggle I know too well. Someone They have to turn off the sports game that everybody was enjoying. <laughs> and you're like, hey, how about some poetry? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm not exaggerating at all. The owner of the bar came up on stage while I was in the middle of a song, <sighs> moved my mic. Yeah. So I was like moving with the mic over to the side of the stage. Oh, and she God. set up she set up a table on the side of the stage and I was like, What are you doing? And she's like, Oh, I'm getting ready for when you're done. And I was like, Jesus but I'm not, Christ. I'm not done. You're like setting up tables on the stage. There was a dude who heckled me and was like Said I was sexy while I was like figuring out the mic in between songs and then like proceeded to talk over the rest of my song. Jesus. So, anyway, all of that to yeah. say, me, Josh felt bad for me. I felt bad for me. We went out and drank a lot of alcohol to compensate for our loss. Yeah. And I ended up just getting like embarrassingly drunk in front of my manager that I'm just meeting for the first time. Mm. So. I was feeling very low about myself mm. and figured I had just like completely killed this relationship and every relationship that's tied to it. And I've just felt so self-destructive and guilty and gross. And I just went to this graveyard 
and sat there for a few hours and wrote the beginnings of the EP. And actually some songs that are on this next project as well. Mm, damn. Yeah. Hell yeah. So that's, that's where it began. Where did this relationship with Josh begin? You guys started uh, working remotely? Yeah, we started because, so my friend Mikey, Mikey yeah. the artist, if you're familiar, he, his manager John and him have been really good friends of mine for a while and they're so kind, always looking out for me and stuff. And so I had split from my last manager, Curtis Toyota, completely amicably. I think we just were both exhausted and both of us being independent yeah, and not knowing what we were doing was just mm. like taking a toll on us. Mm. I noticed um, that there was like a loving... I, there's like the quotes at the end of like of the the journal of like things people have learned about self care and stuff, and I noticed mm-hmm. him, uh, him he him quoted yeah, he, as him, yes. um, former manager, and I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like that feels like amicable, just the way it was written, and just being like, oh, this person's still included in this project, um, totally, and not like. Yeah, I just thought that was just cool. Yeah, I feel really lucky that I get to have him as a friend even still. Um, And Mm -hmm. he also mixed the version of Disaster that you hear on the EP. Nice. He's very talented in many ways. And now he's working at um, Slush Management, I believe, which is Porter Robinson and Maddion and all of them and Gray. So we're both doing good luckily that wasn't like right. a lose-lose for us yeah that's seems hard to be to just like move through have a dynamic change and be able to like hold on to it that's cool yeah for sure so we um just to finish off like yeah the question please. i guess we decided to split and it was fine i don't think any of us were worried because at that point neither of us had anything to lose it's like we put out an ep and not that nobody nobody cared, but like it's not like anyone would care if I never put anything out again. It was kind of the point I was at. So mm. we were just like, fuck it, let's do something else. And I called John, who's Mikey's manager, um, and I was like, just so you know, I don't have management anymore. Um, mm. I don't really know what I'm looking to do, but just letting you know if anybody is looking to manage someone. And he was like, actually, my friend Josh is trying to get into management and really likes your stuff. Like, you guys should talk. So we talked, and the next morning, we were working together. Hell yeah! Nice. Yeah. What does, I can't help but notice that your uh, top matches the same color as the couch that you're on. Oh, it does. Like, <laughs> fucking shade that. for shade. Wow. <laughs> Look at this little accidental renaissance. <laughs> um... What was I going to say? There's so much... It's so much like self in in a, in a truly great way, which can go wrong in the wrong hands. Um, and so... But also there's so much collaboration on the album. And like I'm very curious to know how and when you decided to bring other people in on stuff. And I feel like that's something just from checking out your videos and just seeing like different names. It seems like you're working with a lot of cool people and actively trying to bring in other people and with something so personal, how did that go? And when did you, yeah, make those decisions and and how did the collaborative nature of all of this go? 
Um, that's an awesome question. Thank you. Um, it started, I think, like a large majority of my time in LA was spent collaborating. Like, mm. I've done way more work on writing for other people and like working on other people's projects than I have for mine. So mm. the act of collaboration felt really natural. Right. Um, and all the people that I brought in to write on it were people that were really close to me who I knew already knew I was feeling like this. Right. Um, you could so trust them like in that space. Fully. Yeah. Like for disaster, I wrote that with Zoe Benson and Lena Kay, um, who are both amazing songwriters and, I had written a lot of the lyrics for it before, but I couldn't really like structure it in the right way. And we just drank mm. some wine, had a little girls night. Max Leon, another talented artist, produced out the original version of it um, and gave us just a really great space to be girls drinking wine. Yeah. <laughs> so That's awesome. that was cool. And that worked out very well. And then when I open, I co-wrote with Jameson, aforementioned Jameson and Anna. Uh, yeah, by Scofie. It's her artist name. And so many oh, was she your last guest? No, she was the guest before last. Yes, yes. yes. There's she was very, very recently. I forget the number, but she she was in the first hundo. This will be one o two, or one o three. I'm not sure yet. But yeah, uh, she owns. So we had written that song actually before I had even gone through any of the deciding to make this EP. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wrote that one just kind of like we had some time, we had some space. We were like, why not write some stuff? And yeah. we collaborated on that. I'm so sorry for the water. I'm in the basement. <laughs> Holy fun. I was curious what that sound was. Respect. Yes, it is the water. Um, yeah, Bobby's working on the songs upstairs, so there's no quieter place. <laughs> no, this is perfect. Um, um, Anyway, yeah. Jameson, Anna, and I had written this song. I don't think we really wrote it with any of us in mind. It, and it was kind of just a song to write because it was a song. And mm. uh, a year later, when I was figuring out demos for On Self-Loathing, yeah. Anna was like, you should listen to When I Open Again. I really love that song. And mm. So we listened to it, and she kind of like gave me the push to be like, you should take this song you should put this song out hell yeah yeah whoa that's so cool um yeah i so i owe her for convincing me to put that on right i sent it to bobby and he sent me back his interpretation of the song like a couple weeks later and i literally i was running laps around my island in my kitchen um and i called him and just like screamed and i was like bobby this is insane yes so it would have been so sad to not have that as part of the puzzle. So I'm really grateful that they were both down to work on it. Mm, fuck, that's so cool. It's so interesting, just like the notion of a solo project versus a band and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the solo project and having just like, yeah, introspective songs. And I feel like specifically in these songs of yours, specifically on this On Self-Loathing EP, um, there's a lot of... I think there's some lyrics that are like painfully self-aware, but then there's lyrics about being like unself-aware as well. And just that like fundamental problem of you can't really ever fully see outside of yourself. And I feel like there's so much art and something that I'm like wrestling a lot with is just like 
oh, when when you fucking bring other people in and like it seems like something you're doing really well with all of these collaborations is diving into the self and coming out with like the good shit and then also allowing other people in to help you present it and overcome those like things that you can't see and that type of thing. Yeah. I think especially on the video front, um, you know, we put out the CP or the, or we put out disaster right before the stay at home order was put in place. Um, So, so yeah. So when it came to making the videos, I was just like, I didn't even think about it. I was like, there's no way we're going to do videos. It's just not going to be a thing. Mm. But um, my roommate at the time, Jade Sadler, is an incredible videographer and editor. And um, our friend Lauren Ashley as well is just multifaceted across the board, good at everything. So she did creative design for it. And so that was like, okay, we can do this. This is one household. We can make that. And then someone else reached out and was like, hey, the people I live with want to make a video with you. Is that cool? So we did like a distanced video for One Eye Open. And Oh, shit. Hell yeah. yeah. And then for Nothing Even Wrong, Bobby's friend, Keegan, um, I suppose he's my friend as well, but I met him through Bobby. And he had, he had just moved to L.A. and he was trying to just, you know, make videos and he was like, you and I should make one together. So we were able to just run around my neighborhood and he filmed what he could film. And just kind of the whole the whole video side of the project was just like, what can we get done with mm. coronavirus happening? And yeah, I lucked out in that I kind of just sat there and waited and people kept reaching out. And so, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love that. What are the band projects you're working on right now? And how does that process differ? Is Duchess one of them? Duchess is one of them, yes. Nice. Um, Duchess is the girl group, that girl group, group, we don't know what to say, that I'm working on with Anna and Zoe. Yeah. Um, And I am so excited about it. That's like a very pop, just unapologetic female empowerment style project incredible um we all kind of understand that our solo projects are extremely personal and sad girl hour vibes so we wanted to do something that was completely the opposite of that right um and that's what duchess is and it feels like an amazing release to have them uh you know i'll have all of us putting all of our good vibes into this project so we have the time that fucking Um, owns I'm going back in February, so we'll be doing stuff for that. And that's so exciting. sick. Um, and then the other band is Luminism. Uh, they're based in Atlanta, and they are... We all played together through high school when I was doing my solo project in high school. They were yeah. like the band that would play with me. Damn, hell yeah. And so we go back. They're definitely like my oldest friends that I have, and they're so talented. It's very math rocky. Nice. Um, lots of it's guitar based. I'd say that I'm like I am to Luminism as like the drummer is to most bands. Like it's very much the lead singer is the guitars, and then sometimes I'll come in and just like put like a stanza or two on a song. Word. Um, and I love that because that gets to they're very the vibe of this group is very like internet-y and mm. uh 
not we not serious at all. Um, mm. And so I can write really outrageous characters for myself. Yeah. And like write things that are just, I'm like, what if I said this, even if I don't believe any of it or I, it's not who I am. It's a nice release just to be like, here's a song about, you know, killing my husband for the alimony for fun. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> yeah. Damn. You're going all over the country. And you're doing all these fucking projects. Fucking sick. Thank you. How do you, do you find that in terms of harnessing your creative energy, which objectively just seems like something you are thriving at, which is very fucking cool. And I'm <laughs> something that I am trying to glean that wisdom from you in that this sentence is really taking a nosedive. But what I'm curious <laughs> about is do you think that the, the projects feed off of each other or is is it like a a zero sum thing where it's like I have 10 creative points today or is it mm-hmm. like oh this the tide rises all ships and this actually gives me energy for that type of thing um I think it kind of cycles um mm. logistically it definitely becomes an issue often in terms of just what do I have time to do um for me, I just feel lucky that I got into songwriting so early in my life. Mm-hmm. So, and I dropped out of high school, dropped out of college to pursue that. Um, I didn't know those things. Punk rock, very cool. Yeah, so so hardcore. Um, so at this point, I wouldn't say that it really like takes a toll on me to write a song. Uh, mm. It's it's pretty. It's cathartic for sure, but it never feels like it's draining me. Right. So when it comes to the writing of all these things, what I was doing before I had these other projects to kind of categorize these ideas under was just writing a bunch of songs and then trying to figure out how they all fit under this umbrella of McCall, quote unquote. Right. Um, And I think it really discombobulated the brand or like the vibe of my solo project because I didn't know what... it, who I was as a solo artist versus when I'm just mm, writing. Right, for sure. Uh, so I think it actually helps me a lot because now if I write something that doesn't fit for my project, it's not lost and it doesn't mm. feel like a waste of time. Right, that makes a ton of yeah. sense. Rather than like, I wrote this song, guess it's for me. We're nice. trying to pitch it vaguely to the void, you know? Mm. Word. That fucking yeah. rocks. That's super cool. Thank we you. have to talk about someone that we both know, and it's a dog, and the dog's name is Finley. And this dog actually <laughs> is my neighbor now, and I think... No way! Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah, I got a Finley. call from Noah uh, Tauscher, mm-hmm. uh, great artist known as Noah Elliott, and uh, we had plans to hang out, and he was like, hey, I think I'm now your neighbor. <laughs> I live like in an apartment that's like split left and right Um, and I live on the left and he lives on the right and uh, one of his roommates has that fucking dog yeah Ben (laughs) Ben yeah Ben and uh, and then I was uh, like checking out some of your YouTube videos behind the scenes and I like saw fucking Finley and I was like wait what yes (laughs) yeah 
wow, small freaking world. Small I can't believe Finley is your complex mate. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Finley and Ben, uh, as an extension of Finley, lived with us through the beginning of quarantine because he's really good friends with my old roommates, Elliot and Cooper. Mm. And uh, he was living alone at the at the beginning of the stay at home order. So yeah came to just stay with us just to not be so lonely. Yeah. And Finley came along with, and it was the best few months ever to have that little dog in the house. Iconic. Do so, you have... Such a cutie. He is a fucking pure joy. Truly. So much attitude as well. So much personality. Like, you always know what he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm excited to spend more time with him. Um, I just right now see him. He just, like, jumps... He just, like, darts out of their their apartment and like is just like so happy and i'm just like just a <laughs> lightning bolt of joy and then we'll sometimes like run into our apartment which is just like the mirror image structurally of their apartment mm-hmm. so i'm sure finley is very confused he's like is this also my house <laughs> it's like what it smells slightly different yeah the same yeah but yeah finley fucking owns um, he's the best you sent me some demos of a long time ago of true things that you had produced that I was also floored by. And I'm curious, like, being someone that, and this is probably related to the things I've already asked you, but, like, you fucking produce great, you play guitar great, like, you could do all the things. When do you decide, hey, I'm going to hand the reins over on this one? Um, thank you so much for saying that. I feel like I'm a really bad producer, so I appreciate that. Um, I don't think that is true. I think you're a great producer. Um, I mean, I think it's just that I don't really like the way that I produce. For me, producing is extremely utility-based. Um, I feel like, for me, the best use of my time is to really just keep writing as much as I can and become the the best that I can be at that. So yeah, expanding my musical knowledge to producing was definitely secondary to that, just to be able mm. to produce out the demos for this. Um, right. I I think, I mean, because you've, you've now heard like the difference between what I make and what Bobby makes, and it's pretty clear why I wanted him to do it. <laughs> He's just insane. I... I mm. I did put out some things on SoundCloud a while ago that I had produced. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Are they still there? I took them down. No. Oh, damn it, I missed it. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I can say that. They're probably the same things that you heard, honestly. Um, but I don't know. I put that out and it just didn't feel right. Not that it felt uncomfortable, mm. but it just felt like this was not my my vibe. I think I work better mm. when someone else's influences mesh mine. Totally. And when you're working with someone else, you can just, it's just so much easier to get hyped on their shit rather than like, does this suck? Mm-hmm. Is this bad? You can just be like, no, that rocks. You rock. Hooray. I'm doing laps around exactly. my kitchen island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That, um, That's why it's nice to be in the room with him too, because we kind of like, I can mm. stop him before he produces a whole version of something that I don't like. Mm. Um, and I can also encourage him when he's on to something that I think is really cool. Yeah. How's this new project going? So, well, I don't know. How do I sound not 
arrogant about it. Um, <laughs> You're hyped. You can be hyped. I'm so hyped on this new music. It's um, nice. It's very much. It's less ref- like self reflective. Uh huh. Um, for me, this next project is kind of about how like isolating myself and like hating myself bled into the relationships that I have in my life. Right. And how that all got very, like, you know, when you hate yourself, it's very hard to, like, show up for other people. Yeah. And you also think that everyone else hates you, too. Or that they're this close to learning something about you that's going to make them absolutely hate you. Mm. So, this, I feel really good about this next project in that it kind of, like, extrapolates on on how much like hating yourself really affects your life. It's not right. just insular. It affects everybody else. Right. Totally. And just like constantly building a case against yourself is something that I relate a lot to. And like yeah. if anyone says anything nice, I'm just like, well, you're clearly an idiot. And if someone exactly. says something mean, I'm like, well, it, of course, you're just a genius. You're correct. <laughs> Which is, yeah, very silly. But yeah, I relate to that. That's fucking rad. I want to know, McCall. Yes, smoking. Who are your fucking heroes? Who are your icons? Who are the people, artists, otherwise, you look up to and you're like, damn, they're doing it. They're killing it. I want to model my shit after them in some way. Wow. I mean, so many people. I feel like I'm a very, very obsessive person. Yeah. I have pretty bad ADHD. So when I get like hooked on something, I get like crazy hooked on it. Yeah. For a few months, and then, like, I never think about it again. So, recently, my obsessions have been, obviously, any female singer-songwriter, probably any indie artist at all, will cite Phoebe Bridgers as inspiration, because in terms of someone who's able to just write the music she wants to make and do everything that she wants to do, like, I think she's got that down. So, I've been trying to just keep eyes on like how it is that she structures her decisions and like Mm. what she chooses to do and how that kind of helps her overall uh, mission in her artistry. Totally. She's super cool. I also She's fucking iconic. She rocks. What were you going to say? She's the best. I was going to say, I'm really excited about this one right now. Hilma off Clint. Whoa, I've never heard this in my life. Okay, so she was a painter... In the early 1900s. Okay. And she was from Sweden. And she was pretty, I mean, as popular as like a woman in the early 1900s could be. She was that mm. for her landscapes. Um, but in secret, she w- developed this group called Den Fai, which is like the five. And it was these five women who would meet up secretly, um, who were all artists. And they would kind of just perform seances and do other witchy things. And Word. kind of try to, they were trying to like commune down images and they would all sit there and like meditate and then like draw what they were seeing. Yeah. What? So she, she created a whole series, thousands of paintings, totally in secret, hid them from everyone that were abstract paintings. And they were 20 years before the term abstract even existed. Um, Whoa. And she also put in her will that like no one's allowed to see any of her work until 20 years after she's dead Wow! so she's been like just sending me down so many rabbit holes recently because it in in the art history world she threw such a wrench in like the established 
chronology of, of mm, it all and like fuck yeah how so there's the two that i don't know their names but the two main guys who are credited as the father of abstract right didn't start painting until 40 years after she had already made these oh projects. shit yeah and i was just Damn. looking through them the other day and they're so beautiful like i think there's a difference i think the reason i connect to these and not to other abstract paintings because i've never really cared about abstract art before mm. is you can tell that it comes from a woman like the color palette she uses the way that she mm. makes it all just like resonated aesthetically and spiritually so well yeah a part of me that like this very male dominated art world never really has yeah so i just am enamored by her at the moment fuck that rocks i gotta check her out highly recommend have you always been into art and like paintings no actually it started when i moved to la i went to lacma which was the first like art museum i'd ever been to Mm -hmm. um when i was like 19 and i got to the renaissance art floor of it and Mm. just started crying and i didn't know why and i was just very taken aback by how grand these things were and how just thinking of the time of how like it had to be commissioned by the church or by these really rich families and like (laughs) all of this symbolism and like shade against the families and the church is like hidden in there and there's so much like history and meaning in them (laughs) yeah it's just so fascinating um i think because i never really had any of that i hadn't been exposed to any of that until i was 19 it really like hit me in a big way right i'm so that fucking rocks i'm so curious about georgia as someone who has (laughs) lived in california their whole life yeah what is your relationship with georgia now what was growing up there like what are you thinking about Georgia? Um, that's a great question. No one's really asked my opinion on Georgia. Um, it's definitely a love-hate relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a suburb outside of the city mm-hmm. um, in a pretty typical suburban yeah. upbringing. Outside of um, Atlanta? Yeah. Where? Yeah, like 25, 30 minutes north. Gotcha. Um and so growing up, I thought it was cool, but my dad lived in California. Mm-hmm. And so I'd visit him in the summers and I was just like, this place is the coolest place. Mm. Um, but I, I definitely had that, you know, angsty, I'm going to leave my small town mentality. Oh, yeah. But I also had so much fun. I'm really lucky. I grew up somewhere pretty safe and like, right. I can I could sneak out of my house and walk across town and know that I would be fine. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hell yeah. So I feel really lucky for that, and I had a great like church community there because it was Georgia, and that's where you mm. make friends. Is yeah. Church. What um, kind of uh, what kind of church? What what uh, flavor? Episcopalian. Episcopalian word. Indeed. What makes Episcopalian um, Episcopalian? I typically describe it as a bunch of Catholics who probably smoked like a too much weed in the 60s and created Episcopalianism. Nice. Um, it's a very, very, very liberal church. Um, mm. Our current head of the church is a gay woman who is married to another woman. Mm. Um, so they kind of, all of the things that feel antiquated about Catholicism to me, such as homophobia, right. not allowing the priests to marry and, and like mandatory celibacy like all of those types of things Mm. we've just kind of like 
shoot out of the way. Yeah. Um, and it created a really, really great environment to grow up in. And That's also beautiful. an environment that did not pressure anybody at all to actually believe in it. Um, mm. Myself included, but a lot of people that went to the church didn't believe in Jesus or didn't really mm-hmm. believe in the Christian version of faith, but that wasn't the point. The point was that you had a space to grow and mm. meet people. That is so beautiful. That fucking yeah. rocks. Incredible. I feel like Christianity gets... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Grouped into one thing too much, you know? Yeah. And all of these it's- factions and individual communities are so... Com- complicated and different and that's like really cool to hear that not that the critiques against catholicism and (laughs) christianity aren't true they are they're very valid (laughs) extremely valid (laughs) but to know that there are also like people within that community or offshoots or i don't know i guess people that are truly trying to learn how to love better and grow and, you know, community, foster community. Like, that's really, really cool. Yeah, I feel very lucky to have had that support system Mm. growing up. Um, But also Georgia sucks, and it's very racist. There were lots of Confederate flags at my school. There's lots of people I went to high school who are, you know, just embarrassing themselves by still supporting Trump. And Mm -hmm. it's... uh, it can be a a difficult, a tricky place, I guess, to kind of like find your political footing. Um, right. And I and I feel lucky that I went to such a progressive church because I think that's where I got a lot of my early political views was from that community rather mm. than the Confederate flag waving people at my school. Yeah, I'm from a town called Huntington Beach, in uh, Amelia. Yeah. Also, love hate relationship. Has sure. similar suburb vibes and also similar, uh, I mean, America, but also just there is a contingent of white supremacists that live in Orange County. And not that there are places that they don't live, which is shocking and horrible. Um, but yeah, also having that kind of dual being like, oh man, there are things about this that I like, but also there's so much ugliness and horror here that needs to be examined and dealt with you know for sure and that will probably never go away yeah it's like i i i have a hard time like identifying with it because i and a lot of times where i think like my something that i've like only started to unpack semi-recently is how i will often use like self-righteousness as a way to stop the internal work of myself like of Unpacking racism or any kind of examined bigotry, I will often think like Huntington Beach equals bigotry and I am not yeah. that or something like that. And like all that does is oversimplify things and allow me to like feel better about myself and like stop those investigations and those things. And For sure. Um, I want to add to this, but my computer is actually about to die. Can I call you back on my phone? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm so sorry. No worries. We've been trucking for a minute. I appreciate you. Um, okay, I'll call you right back. Okay, cool. Bye. Oh. 
Yo. Sorry about that. No worries. I appreciate your time. And also just like let me know when you got to do the rest of your day. <laughs> oh, I am yours as long as you will have me. I'm so curious to think about or to hear about just like on the tip of how you feel about Georgia, because I feel like there's a lot of national conversations happening about Georgia right now. And in the same way that uh, I feel about my hometown sometimes where I'm like, I see myself as separate from it and the issues of there as like not existing within me. I feel like a lot of times that will happen with liberals or, or white liberals and just sort of stereotyping the South and not that those things like don't need to be called out, but also thinking that, oh yeah, the racism is over there. That's where the racism exists. And like, it's not also in our liberal cities or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, just like breaking down and complexifying like race shit and class shit as separate but related and there's a lot of class struggle commonality and like people that are also victims of systems and not that the racism doesn't impact things differently but I think that a lot of times that conversation will be shut down by like those dumb southern racists mm -hmm. And not that the South, I don't know. I don't really know that much about the South, but I am curious what you think about uh, our relationship with the South and like as a country and shit. Um, I think it's a really interesting thought because I definitely did a lot of that too. When I went to, even when I was living in LA or living in Atlanta, um, like there's definitely an attitude about the city where it's like, we're the city and we're so progressive and cool and, and like, we're not like the rest of the state. There's a lot of pushing away and like eschewing, right. eschewing, um, even if you are smack dab in the middle of it. Right. I think something that had, that I've been grappling with and I don't really know the right way to go about it yet is just in the wake of all of this for everyone, every white liberal, I think we just realized how tone deaf we have been this whole time and how much stuff, not just racially, but class wise, like you were saying, and there's so much to learn. And I think the my approach to it all right now has been to try to cut my virtue signaling as much as I can, try to not um, share anything or post any ideas that I haven't actually read about. And um, not sharing posts unless I've read everything and checked the the citations and whatnot. Right. Um, Hard to do. Admirable. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I never, I, at the beginning of it, it was so difficult to figure out what the right thing to do because you have a group of people saying, post about this share. Why aren't you talking about it? And you have another group yeah. of people that are like, shut up and like, stop taking up the spotlight right now. Um, so through that process, I think it just showed me how much the liberal community has to learn as well. Um, yes. And how much you can't just put a blanket statement on any group. Of right. So. Yeah. That's kind of my thoughts on it, I guess. Definitely. And it's like. 
What was I going to say? Completely forgot. Okay. I've been smoking weed recently, and my brain will just stop at a certain point. <laughs> hey, happens to the best of us. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's, it's, oh man, I've definitely been reaching for thoughts recently and being like, it's not there. <laughs> Anyways. Well, also on this topic, I mean, it's difficult to, especially in this information age, it's so hard to, to develop a well-researched opinion because there's so many sources that all say yes. things. Yeah, and like all information is not equal and yeah. trying to figure out like who's coming at it from a good faith perspective and like it is wild. I think I remember semi what I was trying to say, which is like I hear you on terms of like, yeah, what is performative and what is about me, which is the problem and what is helpful and what is like things that we should be talking about and amplifying and discussing and, and normalizing and stuff. Yeah, and when does when does that go wrong? And I feel like it's also been helpful to know that it's like, yeah, welcome to the to this kind of work of anti racism and anti bigotry. It's very messy, and a lot of times people within social movements will disagree about what the right messaging is, and yeah, so like trying to be vigilant, but also being like yeah like you're gonna fuck it up probably but like get into it and try i don't know i also have a problem with like putting a foot in my mouth so it's definitely mostly listening but it's also like seems like the way that my privilege came out in the past was like oh don't just don't talk about it seems too hard and then like maintaining the status quo and yeah it's it's hard to dive into and fuck up (laughs) oh for sure and yeah, there's no right way to do it. Everyone's going to mess up along the way. But another thing I've just tried to remind myself is like, however hard I think this work is or how uh, disheartening it can be to like really look head on at the fact that I've microaggressed people in the past that I love and care about. And like I've done and acted in a racist way to people that I really care about and people that I don't know and so however much that process sucks it sucks way less than what everyone else has been going through and that's kind of the easiest thought pattern I can get myself into to continue to do the work is like it, it doesn't matter if I don't feel like reading this or I don't feel like you know, donating to this, or I don't think I have enough money. It's like, did I buy coffee today? I can donate another $5 to this uh, GoFundMe, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. not that big a deal. Yeah. Mm. I appreciate your insights on this stuff. Mm-hmm. I know I'm throwing a lot of generalized questions, but I like hearing what you're thinking about. What else are you thinking about these days? What's on your mind? Ooh. What's on my mind? I mean, honestly, uh, let me think of a concise way to say it. I think something that's been really on my mind lately is realizing Hilma Offclint is a good example of like every single thing that exists in this world has been put in place for the most part by men. It's been structured for men. Um, and now, For example, things like classic movies, like I was thinking about how there's so many like classic movies I haven't seen or like 
classic comedies that I don't find funny and I don't know why I don't find them funny. And like how all of this, every way that we move in our world was designed by men for the most part or catered to men. Um, and so now to be a lot of like points of feminism, like going 50-50 in a relationship or like being expected to have a career while also being a parent and taking on much more of that burden, um, being educated while also being a woman and fighting against, you know, the daily misogyny that occurs. It's really exhausting and I don't know what my thoughts are on the process yet, but I'm just trying to kind of recreate a world for myself that, um, and include as many women built things as possible and just see how that resonates with me. Right. Um, yeah. Lord actually said in an interview a long time ago that I still think about all the time. She was saying how, when she goes in for a session with some big producer, this is when she was like 16, 17, um, that she feels so much pressure to do well because she knows that if she doesn't produce to a standard that they like, that's looks bad on all female producers. And it's um, a judgment on, you kind of sometimes feel like you're carrying all women on your back when you fail at something. And it's like, oh, there's another example of why women can't do this X, Y, Z, because you failed at it, which then makes a lot of women not even start things. Um, so I've kind of just been thinking about that a lot and about how, and with this world, it's like, how do I continue to promote myself and make music and put things out in a world that does not need me? And in fact, would would probably be a bit better if I shut up about myself and put those things into a more, like becoming a doctor. But I've also realized that like, I'm never going to be a doctor. If I became a doctor, I'd be a bad doctor. So I might as well like stay with songwriting because at least I'm good at that. <laughs> My hands are too shaky to be a doctor. Also, also, some doctors, sure, you're curing the sickness and I love you, but also... Some of you guys are making a lot of money. <laughs> true. Very true. I'm not letting you doctors off the hook. <laughs> but yeah, no, I hear what you're saying in terms of like, oh yeah, there's a lot of service going on that yeah. <laughs> maybe I should do some of. Exactly. But I don't, but it's also tricky. Like I I can't relate in terms of personal experience uh, as far as um, the gender element of, feeling excluded but definitely it is just hard to motivate yourself to put like for some i have like this thought sometimes where i'm like someone's gonna come along and be like back in please make this please <laughs> and there's gonna be like a whole bunch of people being like come on come on come on <laughs> and that like very rarely slash never happens and a lot of times it's just like oh that was cool okay, every once in a while and a lot of times just being like yeah, we're fine. We don't need your shit. Like, there's plenty of other shit out there. And as someone who is a fan of you and is very grateful that you're doing what you're doing and putting your art into the world, and it's just, yeah, How do, where do you find that sense of telling your, like, in a world that is telling you, please don't make anything and we don't need it, where do you find that sense of motivation to tell yourself, I am going to make this. I do want to make this. I do have something to say. Um, to be honest, the way that I think about it is if I don't give this everything I've got, um, when I'm 30 or whatever and I want to have a family and raise children, 
I'm going to be the most bitter, jaded, like, psycho mother. And I'll just be like, music never worked out, so, like, you're going to have to do music. Or I'll be, I honestly think if I don't give this my all now, then I'm just going to regret it for the rest of my life. And in turn, fuck up my kids or fuck up a marriage or fuck up any relationship I have because I'm so bitter and upset that this never happened. So for the mental health of my future self, I'm trying my best to do this as well as I can. Yeah! (laughs) That fucking rocks. What about you? How have you found it right now? I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't I think a very similar, I resonate a lot with that. There's that, page in your in the the journal um for on self-loathing where you're talking about the my favorite murder quote of just being like if you try and fail you'll be bitter but you'll be a lot less bitter than if you didn't try and so like you might as well try yeah (laughs) that fucking rocks like that it's weird because it's like you want to be so You got to, like, be recognizing that what I'm doing has, is a result of, like, having lots of free time, and that's a lot of privilege. But also fighting for it at the same time, being like, this is, this is cool that I get to do this, but also, like, I can shame myself into not doing this and just be like, oh, what was me? I should shut up and then, like, don't do anything. And... Like when, I don't know, I think about Joni Mitchell a lot. Like when she was putting out Blue. This is a legend. I haven't actually confirmed that this is true, but I feel like I heard it once and I just keep repeating it. Let's hear it. Where she was like showing the songs on Blue to Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan and they were like, don't put this out. This is too personal. No one cares. Please don't do this. (laughs) And she was just like, fuck you guys and put it out. And, uh, just on the first thing we were talking about of how to make things personal and, you know, also artistic, that's like fucking revolutionary, that record. Yeah. I'm so glad that it exists and it has helped me so much. And if she like just listened to those dudes, we wouldn't have that record, you know? And so that's, that's cool. What a badass story. Also, just like that sentence, the three of them in a room together is like, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they were in the room together, if it happened separately, if it happened at all. But <laughs> I, there must have been some sort of like, Joni, no one wants to hear these songs. And her being like, mm, I think you're wrong. And then her being right. And that is cool. <laughs> oh, thank goodness she was right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Whether or not making art is... I don't know. I love art. Like I, they, they, I've had so many transformative experiences with it. Yes, it is. Uh, something that I get a lot from, but also, I don't know. I just, that's, that's what I, it's maybe the only thing that I'm like good at, you know? So there is that part of it. Here's a thought that just popped in my head. It was like, okay, maybe, let me know if you feel this way. So I feel like I've never really been a good fan, you know, past the age of like 13. I decided I, Yeah. Um, when I decided I wanted to do this as a career, my worship of artists became less about being grateful for their art and more about like, what can I study about them that will teach, unlock the next thing for me as an artist. 
Um, and I think a lot of artists are in that mindset and that is a very easy mindset to be like, what is the point? Why would I promote myself? All these other artists, they're assholes. Like this is a selfish, shallow industry, which it is. But I think I, when I meet people who are genuine fans of music and have nothing to do music industry, then I can really see how much it does mean to people. Um, and obviously it means a lot to me as well, but I think it's hard as an artist when you're in trying to internalize everything for your own art. Everything that you see is being internalized right. for yes. your art. Um, it's, it's hard to understand why someone else would ever want to without an uh, ulterior motive, I guess. Right. Interesting. I haven't thought of things that way before. Do you feel like you're a fan? I definitely, yeah, it's definitely weird. Like, I, I sometimes I won't listen to a new Phoebe Bridgers thing because I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and then I eventually listen to it and I'm like, yeah, this is the best, she's the best, and I'm in- ultimately inspired. But, like, there is so, there's so much ego there. Yeah. You know? So that definitely, like, the ego shows up, and that is different than when I was 10 and listening to Wolf Mother and just being like, I fucking love this. Yeah. <laughs> But I also, I like, I enjoy being a fan and I'm definitely, it is weird because sometimes I'll be a big fan of somebody and I'm like, do I say that I'm a big fan or do I like try to play it cool because I don't want to make them feel weird because they're just having a day and like, you know, probably have to take a shit and like, are you know, we have texts and, like, <laughs> or, and sometimes I'll like go up to somebody and put too much pressure on them. I'm like, I love your thing so much. And it's, it's just like, there's no, I don't really know what I want out of, I I want to become their best friend and then, (laughs) you know, but that can't happen. And I always think about very delusionally, like if, when someone asked me in an interview about like, like what if I ever got to meet Haley Williams or Lady Gaga in person or something? And I know that I would immediately start sobbing. So I just like hope those things don't happen. I appreciate that you can even approach people that you idolize because I just cry when I think about them. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, that's a a whole wormhole, but I do feel like I'm a fan of things. I, it's easy for me to be like fans of stuff in things that I don't have anything to do with, where it's like, a video game that I'll play and it'll be like incredible and I'll be like oh and I can just get hyped on it or like podcasts or something um but then sometimes I like do do that and I'm like oh, I don't know anyways you play video games ever um I play GTA sometimes that fucking rules it's I, I just like I don't know I think it's so fun I think it's like the the, per, the imp of the perverse in me really likes that I can blow up a bunch of people with no consequences. Did you say the imp of the perverse? Isn't that what it's called? That's fucking cool. I've never heard that before. It's, I think if I'm quoting it correctly, it's like that is, I have it a lot, honestly, which is probably why I like the game, but it's like. It's sick. You're dropping hella terms. (laughs) I'm here for it. Thank you. Like, um, if I'm sitting at Bobby's computer, right? He has the hard drive plugged in to the computer and on that hard drive is this whole next project and the whole last project and everything he's ever made. And when I look at it, my instinct is to like rip it out or to break it. Right. 
Um, just because that's the worst thing that could happen and I'm afraid it's going to happen. So I might as well just do it and get it over with. Um, I think that's what it means. (laughs) Definitely. What is the worst thing I could do in this moment? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have that a lot. (laughs) And honestly, maybe my greatest fear is that part of me that stops myself going away. (laughs) (laughs) Of just saying the worst thing or doing the worst thing. Well, then you'll probably find out that it wasn't the worst thing that to kick a baby? <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, I guess that'd be <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a weird part of my brain that is always on of just like, yeah, like what is the worst thing to do? This imp of the perverse. I fucking love that. Now it has a name. <laughs> oh, I also really related into your journal of giving the n- negative voice in your head a name. And yours is Esther? Esther. That fucking rocks. <laughs> So cool. Thank you. Yeah, I just, I forget where I picked that up. I think it was like a bunch of different self-help articles combined yeah. that I was reading at the time. Is it still Esther? Um, no, now it's more like, it helped at the beginning to personalize it. Um, now it's more like, if I hear something, I'll just be like, oh, okay, I know exactly where in my childhood this thought is coming um so i don't really need to personalize it anymore because i've done enough like self-work and therapy where i know exactly what it is i think the voice really helps when you're not sure where it's coming from mm. right yeah interesting or the naming not the voice. right right and just being like oh this is something else other than me yeah because it's it's wants to be helpful it thinks it is you know mm. um There's a video game called Celeste that I just finished playing that it's very does it deals with a lot of the same things honestly that come up on your EP and there's literally like a shadow self that separates from this main character as she's trying to climb this mountain and she's like identifying with it and othering it and then like trying to find compassion for it and as you were like outlining your like thesis for the project of uh, on self-loathing and I was like just playing this game and I was like damn these these feel like uh, spiritually uh, siblings in some way that's so um, cool I'm gonna if you, if you come across a Nintendo Switch highly recommend Celeste it's like 15 bucks or something oh my gosh uh, affordable compared to other big games yeah and it's great I think I'll probably even just like watch some playthroughs tonight that sounds so fun it's very rad I have like one more little bonus level but uh I, ha- I wanted to mention it just because it felt so related. I was like, whoa. I also nice. like the name Celeste. It's so pretty. Yeah. Apparently it's the name of the mountain in the game, not the character. But who knows? McCall! I I'm sorry for interrupting you on this. Zoom delay. I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. Dude, all good. I'm sorry that I uh, let all my... Tech die. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insights on shit. You fucking rock. I'm excited to see you next time I see you. I know. Hopefully it'll be a time where hugs are not illegal. <laughs> and we can do a hug. Yeah, dude, Mark and What's I... What's the best way... Admire you so much. Let me compliment you before you do that. I love you. I think you're one of the most talented writers I've ever met. And I'm genuinely honored to get to like have a conversation with you because I feel like we've never really gotten to really 
speak like this, and it's very cool. Yeah, I'm. Oh man, I feel I feel the same way. That was very very kind, and I appreciate it. Where's the best place people find your stuff? You can find me on everything at that girl McCall. That girl McCall. TikTok included. Yes. <laughs> oh, I've not peeked at your TikTok. Very exciting. Uh, nice. What are you up to the rest of the day? I'm going to go back up to Bobby's room and keep working on this project because I'm going out of town for a week tomorrow, so we're trying to finish some stuff. Back to Georgia. Gotcha. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you. What are you doing today? Yeah. I, what am I doing today? Well, that's a really good question. I'm probably going to go to Trader Joe's. Nice. And I do some laundry. Do you eat cheese? No. Well, great podcast. <laughs> we got to end on that. And I truly love you. Bye, McCall. Bye, Mackin. <laughs> That's it. That's the Modern Walking Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Follow, like, and subscribe. Please do your like and subscribe. Like. Goodbye, love.